Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HITRUSTALLIANCE.NET. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impact of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. Modern application development needs modern application security. With our award-winning application security testing solutions, Checkmarks enables developers to securely accelerate their work. Learn more at checkmarks.com. AppViewX is trusted by the world's leading global organizations to reduce risk, ensure compliance, and increase visibility through machine identity management and application infrastructure security and orchestration. Learn more at appviewx.com. Wow. And yeah. I thought we were going to start weird. And now no, we're starting no even more weird. No Are you going to explain that? I explain suppose that. I should explain the uh, the cow sound there. So the cow is, uh, well, it's an honorary member of ITSP Magazine Chats back from RSA Conference. Uh, the last time we were in person, uh, heading back from San Francisco to LA down the five freeway, I think maybe it's one. I think it was the five. Anyway, we stopped to do one of our chats, literally chats on the road from the field, and there was some cows that uh, enjoyed our entertainment. The, be- <laughs> the best audience I've ever had. That's yeah. right. Very responsive. Very they responsive. Were, they were very responsive. They, they chewed yeah. their cud like they really enjoyed it. <laughs> so this uh, this is our uh, 2022 edition of that, and no, no beach driving, no uh, field stopping. Uh, but we do get to connect with amazing people. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear uh, a, a story about cybersecurity programs uh, within an organization that 
I believe like many in the last couple of years had uh, a lot of transformation, a lot of growth and uh, a lot of things to consider from uh, from security risk, privacy and so on. And uh, I'm thrilled to bring this conversation to you with Heather and Ariel from Zoom. Thank you both for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. And like we normally do before we get into the uh, the actual storytelling part, we want to hear your story. So, uh, beef, brief, beef. Look at that slip up there. A brief <laughs> background, <laughs> brief background of who you are and uh, what your role is, and uh, maybe touch a little bit on why this program was uh, presented as a topic for RSA conference this year. So, Heather, we'll start with you. Sure. So my name is Heather Jalon, and I've been at Zoom for about a year and a half. I joined at the height of the pandemic. Um, prior to coming to Zoom, or I guess at Zoom, I lead the uh, security standards, compliance, and customer assurance team. So all of our um, setting the standards for our information security program, all of our security certifications and attestations, and some of our uh, program evaluations as well. Um, prior to coming to Zoom, I was the VP of Security and Privacy at Collective Health, which is a healthcare technology company. And prior to that, I was um, a director in PwC's cybersecurity practice, where I focused mostly on security program strategy and governance. And um, as to why we thought about this uh, particular topic for RSA this year, I think, you know, the theme of RSA was transform. And when we thought about what that theme meant, um, you know, we really tied it back to our security organization and the massive transformation we had to go through during the pandemic. Um, you know, if you think back to December 2019, uh, Zoom was a very different company before the pandemic than it is now with a very different risk profile. And we had to really quickly um, shift our security program and scale and grow it in just a period of a few months. And we can talk more about that later. I don't want to get too deep into it right now, but. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Yeah, I won't spoil it. Let's hear, from, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear uh, from Ariel. What, what are you up to at, at Zoom and, and uh, your role as part of this? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Ariel Siobhan, and I'm the head of uh, security product and program management within Zoom. Uh, and that also includes security awareness, learning, marketing, uh, talent development, and change management uh, within Zoom. Uh, I've been at Zoom since September 2020, so like Heather, kind of right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, jumping into, you know, a fast-growing company. Uh, and prior to that, I worked at uh, Microsoft and Salesforce in various functions, such as identity and access management, PKI, secrets management, and just a few other fields um, within security. Um, and like Heather mentioned, the reason why we wanted to bring this to RSA with that, you know, the backdrop of Transform is when we both joined Zoom, we were going through hyper-growth, not only as a product, but as a platform. And we wanted to make sure and share our, our learnings along the way when we set up a program in such a short period of time. And, you know, as Heather mentioned earlier, is we want to make sure that we shared the lessons uh, we learned along the way uh, with other programs to see if they can take either pieces of the framework we had um, and put it together, you know, to make their program more successful. So, and the title of the presentation was The Zoom Effect, and, and it's about rapid growth. And many people would say, well, that's the problem you want to have, a rapid growth. And we, we know that Zoom had just that. I mean, it, it came from pretty much nowhere to to become a, a pillar of how we have interact with each other during the pandemic. And then uh, 
the new normal include that. I mean, look at us. We have streamed live from uh, RSA conference, and we believe the future is hybrid. So tell us why, if you don't do it in the right way, growth may be actually not that problem you want to have. So uh, a general overview, and then we dig a little deeper in the cybersecurity. Uh, Heather, want to start? Sure. Um, so I, I think hyper growth is good. Everybody always wants their security team to be growing and everybody's always fighting and advocating for resources. So, you know, in the last uh, couple of years, that was a problem we didn't really have, which was great. We were able to be very well resourced. We were able to, um, you know, have this hyper growth of our team, which was fantastic. Um, but if you don't have structure around that growth and you don't have a good framework and good processes for prioritizing what you should focus on, it can be a lot of chaos. I think one of the things that we struggled with at the beginning was you have all these different people coming in from different backgrounds. We were forming new teams very quickly. Everybody kind of had their own idea of what their team should look like, what their function should do, who owns what. Um, and so a lot of it was just making sure we had that structure for good communication across the teams and we had a systematic way of prioritizing and focusing our efforts because I think a lot of times when there's so much to do, it can be, it can be a little bit of a curse because nothing actually gets done because you're just talking about how much there is to do. Um, so being able to be really focused uh, was really important for us. Yeah, and Ariel, I mean, when... I'd like to hear your perspective on this. Maybe Heather has some thoughts as well. I'm sure she does. The just the the, the concept of a framework. Now there are industry standards and industry frameworks. I think th that's not what we're talking about here, right? This is this is a framework for your program. So I'm wanna I wanna get a, a feeling for, or correct me if I'm wrong, but a feeling for how a framework fits into the strategy and the, the design and the plan and the, the implementation, how, how it fits into stand up meetings or whatever it you have, you have going. So what, what's the role of the framework? Maybe a, a definition of that for us to kick things into gear. Yeah, definitely. What we kind of set out as a part of a framework for our security program, the one thing we anchored it to is the why people are here and why uh, the work that they're doing. And so, uh, yes, security standards or, you know, some sort of way to measure that framework is something that Heather can talk a little bit more in detail, but we really wanted that structure in place so people understood the why of the work they were doing. Um, in RSA, we kind of said, you know, within 12 to 18 months or 18 months or so, we hired over 200 security professionals kind of all at once. And so without this structure, without this framework, it might feel like the second week of school where everybody kind of got in the classroom and sat at their seats, but everybody's still trying to figure out, okay, what are we all focused on and why are we focused on it? And that's kind of, that was one of the key takeaways is to make sure that we had just enough predictability in this framework that people knew why we were doing it, where it was report, reported out to you and the importance of it, um, while not hindering the teams to grow. Because as we know that within security, there's a lot of different functions of different roles. Um, you know, program management is one, but then you have, you know, SOC specialists or, you know, investigators or things like that. Everybody kind of has a different way of operating, but if we can anchor to you know, the objective we're trying to achieve at the end of the day. And that's what we really wanted everybody to see and be able to tie that work up to what does our CISO want or what does, you know, Zoom as a company want and how do we tie the work of an individual to that bigger picture? Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that I learned at RSA was, you know, keeping and retaining talent is important. And for people to do that, they need to understand the why of their day to day, even if 
you know, some days aren't as good as others. They need, if they can tie it back to the bigger picture is what we really wanted to do. And that's what we hope this framework would allow other companies to do is to, you know, you can hire so many security professionals that are experts in their area, but if they don't know, you know, how to integrate with each other, how to collaborate with each other, or how to share common goals, um, that's kind of what we wanted to do is to help break down the silos within the teams as we hired so, so quickly. Yeah, and Heather, uh, Ariel mentioned the, the kind of the measurement of the, the framework and the program. And uh, at the beginning of, of RSA week last week, I, I did a session uh, here on this channel looking at security programs. And it isn't just a program. It's many programs coming together, to Ariel's point, kind of integrating and, and teams supporting that. I think, yeah, the, you mentioned SOC analysts, uh, SOC managers, obviously product security, app security is different than, than operational security. And risk and privacy could be different things looked at by different folks. So how, how do you define, how do you use a framework to kind of general, to define general success? And then how does that translate down to the rest of the programs that uh, fall under it? Sure. I think that's a really important conversation to have because I think there's a shift right now where security was historically looked at as more of like an IT issue or just a security team issue. This is something that the security team is going to handle. We just give them the budget and they, they go out and do it, right? But security lately over the last five to seven years, I think has really become a company-wide issue. It's not only security's problem, it takes input from all parts of the business, such as product, engineering, operations, IT, all of these different stakeholders have to be bought in to security. And it's our job to make sure we have good ways of communicating and interacting with them and advocating for security and showing them the business value of security to the company as a whole. So I think that's a challenge that a lot of uh, security programs face today. And I think, you know, one of the things we talked about in our RSA talk with this governance framework we put together is how do you create the structure for communicating that value and advocating for those resources to get everybody aligned? Um, you know, there's frameworks like the NIST CSF, ISO 27001, and we use those as a part of our core security program framework. But what those don't always necessarily account for are these changes in business priorities or changes in business objectives. Like if the product team wants to launch a new product or a new feature that you have to evaluate, you're not gonna be able to assess that using like the NIST. That's not something that's gonna come up in a NIST CSF assessment, for example. Um, so what this governance framework does is it puts in the structure for having an iterative process where you're communicating with those stakeholders, determining what your objectives are, getting everybody bought in, um, determining how you're going to measure success against those objectives, how you're going to resource them, and then how you're going to, um, you know, continually assess and evaluate the progress of them. That's at a really high level, kind of what our governance framework looks like. Right. So, Ariel, let's talk about how these different programs, as Sean started the conversation, they, they work together. But mostly, how do they work together with the business? Where do you get the business value? And, which is the big questions always for me, is where does the framework become too structured? Too, it becomes a problem and doesn't allow that conversation with the business and the flexibility that you need. So you need the solid, but you need the fluid. How do you work that out? 
That's a good way to put it. I should have used that in the uh, RSA presentation. The, you the can. Solid fluid. All right. <laughs> Next time around. Um, I think well, that's melted ice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that's a challenge, you know, it's a journey for us at Zoom, but I think it is for other companies as well to tie the work that you're doing and not just risk reduction or an improvement of an SCSF maturity assessment, but how are you enabling the business? And I think that's what, you know, that we're trying to do at Zoom. And I know CISOs, you know, across the industry are looking to do is it's not only here, I give you this money, show me how much risk you're reducing to the company, but here, let me give you this budget and what business value are you enabling us to do to achieve whether it's a new product or a new feature or a new platform or a new segment. Um, and what we've learned, not to go too deep, but what we learned is that there's certain aspects of security that are easier, easily tied to a monetary value, whether, you know, it's Heather's team working on specific certifications that enable our product to go to a different market. Uh, but then there's also the, the harder things to measure, which are, you know, how do you manage your threat and vulnerability management program or how are you turning into reduction of risk into that business value? And it, it is a journey for us too. Um, but that's a conversation that we always have and are always trying to, to turn the corner with to say like, Hey, it's not just about giving us money to reduce risk, but it's about giving us money to help enable the business, uh, with a more successful and secure, uh, secure product. And then on the second part of your question is the fluid, the fluidity versus solid. I probably got that wrong, but that, that, that analogy, um, is that was something that I learned just in my personal journey coming from larger companies such as, um, Microsoft and Salesforce down to Zoom uh, to be transparent. This is the smallest company I've worked at. And I had to, what I had to learn along the way or what we learned along the way was trying to figure out what's right for your environment uh, to make sure that you have, you know, that right level of, of structure in place. So it doesn't become a burden of administration of just, hey, I'm going to define my objectives and community update them and not, you know, ever get back to them or actually do the work. And so, you know, what we've done along the way is take an iterative approach and get feedback you know, across the organization throughout what do people like with monthly business reviews or quarterly business reviews or how often should we measure our, our progress and our objectives? We, we're still, you know, balancing that line of getting the right value out of those so that we can report them out to our executive team and our board of directors. And then also finding, making sure that the teams find value and they're not spending too much time kind of defining their objectives and they're actually doing the work that they need. It's a fine line to balance, but as Heather mentioned earlier, without that structure, it may just be kind of unorganized chaos if we don't have something to anchor into. And I'm not saying that's what we have. That's kind of what we wanted to avoid. I was just going to add, I think um, it's really important to have a program management team, unlike the team we have with Ariel, because he, they've done a great job of implementing a framework that's really flexible and it's not rigid, which was super important, especially, you know, in 2020, 2021, uh, when we joined, business priorities were changing so quickly, we had to keep up and we had to allow for that flexibility. And having a team that's focused on um, making sure we don't have too much of that administrative burden, don't have too much rigidity, um, is really important and it's been really valuable to our organization. Ariel's probably too modest to say that. But. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> no, it's a super important role. and and. And having been in that position, building products, I understand the challenges there because you, you have all the responsibility and no, no, uh, no MBO control <laughs> over the people <laughs> doing the work. Um, I, I, I misstated that in a previous conversation, but I, I want to stick with you, Heather, because it, I mean, there's never a pro security program that has all the resources it needs. If you're in a fortune 100, you might get close, right? At least at least where you can balance the risk appetite to the, the controls and, and management uh, program you have in place. 
as you move down the stack though to smaller organizations um, the resources aren't always there right and they can be strained and so my question to you is how do you kind of bridge the gap between executive leadership saying we just pumped a ton of money into your staff and your team and your program we expect big things from you versus this is reality we have to protect the team because the team is is an important part here uh, that that's doing this work we don't want to burn them out right so i joked earlier that i don't care about the human element i do how how do you how do you manage the program to ensure that it's successful but not at the expense of the, the people doing the work that's a great question um and i think it comes down to really clear communication and transparency with your executive leadership and, and your board if you're having the cybersecurity conversations with, with your board. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, it can look different at different organizations. I've worked at a pretty early stage startup and I've worked at really large companies. And if you're at an early stage startup, you're not going to have the resources to do everything it is you want to do. Even if you're at a big company, no security organization is ever going to have all the resources it wants. Um, and I think, you know, if you're at a smaller company, you have to focus your hiring on those people that can do a lot of different things and people that are very agile. If you hire a bunch of people that can only do uh, vulnerability management or can only do security compliance, um, you're not going to be making the most of what you have. You need those resources to be very agile. Um, whereas at a bigger company, you can flex and you can get deeper subject matter expertise um, in more, um, focused teams. Uh, but I think no matter what the size of the organization, you have to have that transparency and you need to be able to articulate to your leadership, okay, if we don't make this investment in security, here are the risks that are you're going to have and here's the potential outcomes you could have and here's the likelihood of those potential outcomes um, or here's the business value that you're leaving off the table by not investing. And I think those are really those can be challenging conversations to have because you want everything to be backed by data. And sometimes that data is really hard to get. But we found that even if you put some type of measurement, if you can measure, um, you know, try to quantify your risk as much as possible, it's never going to be perfect. But if you can do a little bit, try to quantify your risk and try to demonstrate how um, different investments will reduce the likelihood of those risk outcomes, then that, um, provides leadership with the information they need to make decisions. Uh, you have to understand, I think a lot of times we as security professionals too are so focused on everything we wanna do because we always wanna make things more secure. We always wanna get better, but we have to remember that there's a business to run as well, right? And so you have to be able to see security from that business lens and understand where the other business stakeholders and leaders are, are coming from and how they're making decisions. And talking about business and and plural, so many other business. I feel like Zoom is such a, a unique position. You, they invented in a certain way something new, like you know their their own industry. I mean, there are others competitors, but you know when you think about the way that we talk to each other, Zoom has become kind of like the Kleenex in a way, right? You know, it, it's the synonymous of an industry. But so this this framework. Um, I'm sure they may work as well for other similar kind of businesses. 
But could you, Ariel, bring examples to how this, maybe the base of the framework can be applied to a completely different vertical? I don't know, travel or manufacture. I mean, whatever. I, I'm asking you if you have restaurants. some other case. I like restaurants. You like food, so that's, like uh, food. that's easy. So, so some case study maybe that can, can come in your head and can explain how the framework would actually work when you translate it. You know, that's a great question. And it was funny when I was practicing this presentation and I practiced it with my wife, who is in a totally different industry, totally different practice. She was a program manager. She almost said going through this presentation, you can remove the word security from it and it could be how to run a program. And she was able to understand it, even though she worked in the retail food program management industry. And so that like was a light bulb in my head to say like, you know, what we're doing is just putting together a end-to-end -end structure that somebody can say, what do I want to achieve? How do I measure for success? And then how do I iterate as I go along? It's not really brand new, but it's enough structure in place that if you took the word security out of it and you looked at the presentation, it'd be something that I think other industries can easily adopt to say like, hey, what is, and actually, you know, I got out of a meeting with somebody in IT and they have their different framework that they measure on. They said, well, hey, how, how do I connect a baseline from where I'm at and how do I measure success? And how do I, you know, replan along the way? And I was giving, you know, some feedback along that. And I think that's where this framework is really, really strong. There is some security aspects to it, but not to take away from security, but you can take the word security away. And it's something that you can just adapt across any industry. And it's something that to know that to get people aligned on what objectives that we're sharing, how are we measuring it? And what's, what, is, what is the output that we have, um, whether it's security or any other vertical? Yeah, and maybe um, sticking with the the example, um, maybe Heather, I don't know if you have another, another example you can share, but I'm also wondering as you were preparing this, I mean, you probably had the idea of we have, we're onto something here, right? And this is what we've learned over the last year plus putting our program together. I'm just wondering, did, did you learn something while you're actually preparing the session that you thought, Ooh, that that's new. And I don't know if you can connect that to another example of where that can be applied. That would, that would be great. Yeah, we actually learned a lot, I think, as we were putting this together, because when we thought about um, putting together this session, we thought about all the different things we're doing. We didn't necessarily start out with this framework. We were doing a lot of the things and then we said, oh, wait, we think we have a framework here. This might be useful for other folks. So then we sat down and drew it out and thought, talked about what we thought were the most important elements of the framework. Um, and as we were going through it, we learned, I mean, I learned lots of things. Oh, maybe we can measure this differently, or maybe we can, um, you know, change this ritual. I know Ariel has a, a good example of, you know, our, our monthly business reviews and some learnings we had for that, especially as we were putting this program together. Um, it kind of helped us to rethink some of the things that we we're already doing. I don't know, Ariel, do you want to share the your yeah. example? Yeah, I can. And as you've been through it, and actually today we're kind of revamping how we do our monthly business reviews. And so one of the key learnings along the way is like, how do we take a step back and figure out what we're doing as a business and make sure everybody's aligned? Uh, when we first that kicked us off, it became kind of a, a list of every project that every single person in a pretty large organization was working on. It became more of an information sharing session rather than a, hey, where do we need help and where are the actions? Uh, but what we learned that was okay at the time and that's what was needed because we hired so quick. Uh, but now that the program has matured a bit more, 
we're revamping those to focus on. And I don't think we covered it yet, but we kind of adopted objectives and key results or OKRs. We really want to focus on our OKRs going forward and up-leveling everything that we're sharing across different teams. And like as we go through this, this framework, we realized, hey, we didn't do it exactly perfectly as we would have if we started with this framework in the beginning. Um, and so we always had that caveat of this is kind of the ideal state, but we learned so much along the way where we may have did things a little bit out of order than what our presentation shows, but we wanted to make sure we called that out as our learnings along the way. Um, so other people can learn those lessons and not kind of fall in the same traps. So let, let's assume, and I, I'm a creative person, so I got no framework whatsoever, but it's also just me. <laughs> but But let's say that there is a company that has no framework or maybe a little bit of a framework or maybe a framework that doesn't work because they're growing so fast go figure you know are there some basic tips or basic like okay step one two three that you could suggest that this is where you have to start and maybe you both want to pitch on this yeah i can i can start and then ariel you can jump in. Please. I think that the first step, I think, is really just to get an understanding of where your program is. And so that's what we talk about is kind of steps one and two in our framework is uh, conducting a baseline program assessment um, using a framework like the NIST cybersecurity framework, like ISO 27001. You can choose your framework just so everybody is on the same page and has a consistent view of where the program is. And then after that, um, you can look at your risk assessments, you can look at your business objectives, you can look at new compliance requirements, and you can figure out, okay, what do we need to prioritize, not just from um, a security program assessment point of view, but from a business point of view, and what are the things we need to focus on. And I, again, I'll, I know I said this in the beginning, but it was so important for us to stay focused on what our biggest risks were. And so knowing what your risks are and making sure you're prioritizing those are going to be critically important because otherwise you're going to try to tackle too many things and you're not actually going to move the needle um, as much as you want to. So I'd say those are two critical steps. And then um, the other piece, which I think Ariel will talk about, is more on the, the resourcing and, and communication after that. Yeah, definitely. And so after you figure out where you're at and you take all those inputs, what we did kind of in our step three was define our objectives and key results. And so we wanted a, a way to measure what the work that people were doing on outside of NIST or outside of ISO 27001, but a way for the teams to align all their work they're doing from the top to bottom. And so what we did at a super high level was set, you know, CISO level objectives on what the CISO would like to see from the top down. And then we had each functional team under that, whether it's threat and vulnerability management or identity and access management. Um, create their own objectives against those to be able to measure their success. And then under that, we have key results, which are measurable, like getting a performance measurement from X to Y percent uh, within a certain time frame. And then under that, we listed out kind of initiatives or projects that would help enable that, usually having a definition of done with a specific end date, such as a tooling uh, deployment that would help improve those performance metrics. And we rolled that out across the security organization. And that was key kind of going into step four, which is determining your resource needs. And so having the objectives and key results allowed us to really quantify what is happening with the resources we have and what isn't happening with the resources we have. And the way we approached that at a high level was, you know, taking our resources and aligning them to what we call keep the lights on or kind of the non-negotiables within security first, and then kind of raise the bar efforts after things that would further enhance our maturity. 
And at some point in every organization, there's kind of that line where things start falling below. And having this framework allowed us to say to executives and to the boards, like, what isn't happening with the resources we have? And here's why we prioritize those. Um, and then as we kind of hinted on earlier, is finding the right communication channel. So we have monthly business reviews and quarterly business reviews. And in those, we invite our partners from other organizations to see what we're working on and see our objectives and see where we need their help and have dependencies. Um, because as we mentioned earlier, it's not just a security program, it's a whole company program for us to be successful. Um, and then, you know, I'll let Heather talk in the last step about how we measure and, and replan. But um, yeah, go ahead, Heather. Yeah, and that, that's the last step, like Ariel mentioned, is measuring our progress and replanning, because that's one thing, you know, especially with how things quickly things were moving, we were constantly replanning business objectives were constantly changing, we were entering new markets, new territories, each of them had different requirements that we had to prepare for. Um, so that measuring progress and planning became really important. Um, now, we know this was applied to it, we were a pretty large security organization. If you're a much smaller organization and I had to really simplify this framework into a few steps, it's know your risks, uh, prioritize based on your risks, communicate your trade-offs to executive leadership, um, and make sure you have appropriate communication to get the buy-in from all the different resources that you need. That's simplifying it a bit, but and it sounds very basic, but I think a lot of times we get so bogged down in the work that we're doing that we forget to take that step up and really focus on uh, the important pieces. Yeah. Well, I have a gazillion questions. I'm lucky if Marco lets me ask one more. Usually he doesn't, but I'm going to anyway. Because um, he's a guest one. for me on one. my show here. Oh, yeah. So I have a really complicated question and a simpler one. So the complicated one is, and you can choose to ignore this one. Can you give an example of a CISO objective and what that looks like and how that translates to an OKR, if, if you choose to, if you have that top of mind? Or what are the elements of your uh, monthly business review to kind of frame that, that presentation slash conversation, whatever that may be? Or both, if you if you like. Yeah, I, I think I can go into both. Um, so, you know, for objectives and key results, and a hypothetical example would be um, for the CISO to build and operationalize foundational security capabilities to identify, prevent, and detect threats and vulnerabilities. And if I were to translate that, if I were the threat and vulnerability management team, I might say my objective tied to that would be increasing consumer safety by reducing the company's attack surface. And then under that, how do you know you're successful? And this is where you kind of have that measurement aspect of it, where we can say X percent of vulnerabilities are remediated within SLA, or X percent of assets are covered by configuration management scanning, or X percent of vulnerabilities are you know, automatically routed to the right partner teams for remediation. Uh, and then the last piece, which I think is key for us, is adding our initiatives tied to those key results. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of those initiatives are potentially validating your central asset management tooling by the end of Q3, or you know, deploying operationalizing your configuration scanning tool by the end of Q4, things that have a definition of done and um, have an actual end date that will tie to the increased performance of your key performance indicators. Um, this is just one example and kind of some of the lessons learned along the way is sometimes less is more with objectives. As Heather mentioned, there's so many things that we can work on, not spreading the team too thin. And so that's kind of what we always show, you know, tell our teams, as well as also being a little bit aspirational. So our goal is to achieve 100% of our OKRs, it's to achieve 70% of them so that we can help the teams think ahead and start pushing to more aspirational goals and letting them know it's okay if we don't hit them. 
Um, and then kind of to your second part of your question around monthly business reviews, you know, what we revamped to is tying it to the OKRs. That's the first thing we review in our monthly business reviews is trusting the teams on their objectives if they're on track, but allowing them the opportunity to, to bring up objectives and key results if they're off track or they have dependencies that aren't being met or if they're blocked. And that would be the first kind of topic of discussion. Um, and then second would be our key performance indicators. So what are the key metrics that each, you know, functional team measures to know how well they're performing? Uh, some teams, it's a lot easier to have a numerical value and some it's a little bit harder, but we really want the teams to focus on what are they measuring for success. Um, and then after that, we go to what are the three big things that are top of mind? So not objectives or key results, but maybe this new products are coming or, hey, this is coming up, we need help from other teams. So something a little bit more, what is the priority for that specific team and being able to share that across the organization. And we open up monthly business reviews mostly uh, for people managers and leaders from other parts of the organization, but also we keep it open to anybody within security that wants to join in to understand what's going on across um, the, the organization. Um, you guys hinted at it earlier, which is like hybrid workforce is here. And one of the things that we're always continuing to improve on is how do we get the right level of communication out and provide that information you know, in a way that everybody can consume it. So that's why we keep a lot of these forums open for the security organization um, so they can get that information. Sorry if that was a long answer, but it's kind of um no, I love it. That that's exactly what I was hoping for. So <laughs> super cool. And maybe maybe a final thought, because you said one thing, um, Heather, I'd like your your thought on this, because the, the I'm gonna blow how how you said it, but uh knowing when something is done. Because I often feel security management is an ongoing journey. You never reach an end goal or an end point. But for people's sanity, you need you need to know that you actually hit some target, right? <laughs> some some form of being done. So maybe a final thought from you on that, Heather, and then, uh, then we will be done here, I think. Yeah, I think one thing that's really useful for us is to break it up into chunks because so many of the initiati initiatives that we're working on are really long stretches. And it's not about getting done with something, it's about getting better. And being able to have measurements in your key results that tie to your objectives that show, are we getting better? at this because you're you're never going to be 100% secure. And I've been in board meetings before where inevitably you have a board member that says, what do we have to do to get to 100% security? Like, that's not a joke. That question has actually been asked in board meetings before. Um, it, it It's not it's not possible, right? And we have to recognize that. And it's all a balance of, um, you know, prioritizing your investment and making the most out of the company's investment in information security. So I think for, for our team, and I think across the team in general, it's been really helpful to break down these big ambitious goals to little steps along the way, and then make sure we have a way to measure um, how we're getting better and how that's tied to whatever risk we're trying to mitigate. I love it. Well, the, 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 risk and nerd geek in me uh is enthralled with this conversation i'm, I'm grateful for both of you to bring <laughs> bring these uh, insights and these points to this conversation uh for those that attended i believe you can you can watch the on demand don't, don't hold me to it but i believe the zoom effect a framework for security program transformation uh is available uh, through the RSA conference website, even if it's for just a short period of time. I'll also ask Heather and Ariel for any resources they think would be helpful.
Um, I don't know if any of the framework is public um, or any other resources they think uh, folks listening can, can turn to to get a handle on their own framework transformation, either starting or making it better. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing those, uh, Ariel and, and Heather. And for everybody listening, of course, one of many conversations from RSA Conference. Uh, we hope you listen to all of them this year. And we're always redefining cybersecurity at ITSB Magazine. So stay tuned uh, here on this channel for, for much, much more. Ariel, Heather, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. UX is trusted by the world's leading global organizations to reduce risk, ensure compliance, and increase visibility through machine identity management and application infrastructure security and orchestration. Learn more at appviewx.com. Modern application development needs modern application security. With our award-winning application security testing solutions, checkmarks, enables developers to securely accelerate their work. Learn more at checkmarks.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impact of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HITRUSTALLIANCE.NET. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our columns. Thank you for listening. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.